The following program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 and Odyssey Inc. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC. A registered investment advisor. Certain but not all investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL Financial Member FINRA, SIPC. Wealth Enhancement Group and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group, LLC. Sound strategies to make sense of your financial life. Answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money. Brought to you by Wealth Enhancement Group. Helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity. After all, it's your money. Rashini Rajkumar here. You are listening to Your Money on WCCO Radio with hosts Bruce and Peg. Saving money. Always a hot, sometimes a controversial topic. Bruce and Peg offer some tips for how to make saving for your future a priority. You can, of course, call and text us today live on the studio line, 651-989-9226. During the week, ask Peg and Bruce your questions at 888-6-ADVICE or email them, yourmoney at wealthenhancement.com. Here's Senior Vice President, Financial Advisor Peg Webb, and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Good morning, Bruce and Peg. Good morning. Hi, Peg. Hi, Rashini. It's great to be with you both again. Peg, I have to confess, I haven't had a chance to listen to last week's show yet, but I have had people tell me how good it was and how much better it is when I'm not there. So thank you to, <laughs> thank you, to you and Nicole for apparently doing a great job. Well, you did warn me that Nicole might try to take one of our positions, so we or, better or watch both. out. We might both, both, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we might both get a pig slip this week. It wouldn't surprise me. Hey, yeah, it was um, fun. Good. And, and I know you like to, to, to work with her and, 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 and spend time with her, even if it's not face to face. So I'm sure I'll, I'll listen as soon as I can because I know you two are so good together. I, I, I want to hear it. Um, so all kidding aside, today's topic is, is really a serious one. I think everybody listening, intellectually understands that they need to save or invest money. Um, but it's, it's hard to do that. And there's a lot of reasons why people don't. I think sometimes there's no sense of urgency. People, especially young people, I think, uh, want to live for today and enjoy life. And, you know, and especially now with COVID, that, that feeling has probably even been enhanced that the, none of us has promised tomorrow. And there's this sense of, you know, enjoying life now and, you know, the, the future's the future. I'll worry about that later. And we'll talk a little bit about that. And I also think that a lot of people just say, I know I should save and invest, but I don't have any extra money. And again, COVID probably was uh, impactful to a lot of people that way also in terms of salary reductions or, or, or having to furlough for a certain period of time. So I understand the reasons why it's hard. And part of our goal today is to maybe help people overcome some of that and, and, and save anyway. And again, try to really emphasize why this is important and how to go about doing it. Yeah, I think, Bruce, uh, just to start with, the opposite of save is spending. Spend. Yeah, and so, right. you know, so why don't people save? Well, quite frankly, a couple of my reasons I could think of were, uh, was that you believe that spending is so much more fun. I mean, it's, it's just fun. And so I often talk on the show too about how 
there's so many mediums that are telling us that we should spend, right? That we need this and we need that and we need, and, um, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. But, uh, so that's one reason is, is spending is just way more fun. And then number two is people just don't believe that retirement will ever come. And I have to say, Bruce, these decades of time that you and I have spent together now is a blur, right? It's just that yeah. those, the time just flies by. Uh, and I was just talking to a friend um, yesterday, and I said, oh, I got to do the show in the morning. She went, well, you, you just did the show. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she feels like she just heard it the day before. And I said, oh, no, a whole week has gone by. So um, when you talk about, you know, why people don't save, some of the reasons you already gave, Bruce, is that, you know, life is short. Let's live for today. And it's easy to justify in your own mind that you can say that sentence and say, oh, you know, I'll make up for it longer down the road. But what we have witnessed is, is there is still this kind of inner feeling that people don't haven't saved enough, and they at one point and it is a fear that they will run out of money before they run out of time, and 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 we all have this kind of sense that we want to have greater security, but when you make day to day decisions, it's hard to do that because it's the spending is just so much fun. So why should you save? I already kind of hinted at it, Bruce, in that. I personally need a sense of security where I'm in control. Like if I ever lost my job or something happened where I couldn't provide for the family or, um, or, or just the feeling of I want to decide when I want to decide to retire. Like I don't want anyone else to make that decision for me, meaning an employer says, hey, you know, we don't need you anymore. Or, um, or I, something happens to me. Like if something health wise or something, I want to make sure, cause I don't know when that's going to be. I want to make sure that I'm, um, I feel very confident in the fact that I could provide for myself and my family for the rest of our lives. So those are just a couple of things. Yeah. A couple of additional thoughts. And that's, I agree with everything you said. Um, I think, what I try to do with people that, you know, again, on some level know that they should save and invest but haven't been motivated to do it, I think part of the reason is they don't understand the value of these future dollars. And I get that it's, it's way more fun to spend money than it is to save it or invest it that people want to live for today. But I don't think you necessarily have to sacrifice one for the other. You know, you and I are not people – that don't have fun and don't spend money doing fun things, but we also still save and invest for our future. You can do both with proper planning. So I want to come back to that one. But the other point I wanted to make is if people really realized what a difference it made, uh, what I call the cost of waiting, I'll get to it later. I'm having fun right now. I'll get to it later. Um, in my last book, and I don't mean to keep plugging my book, but my last book I gave an example of Jack and Jill, uh, uh, twins, and Jill was an overachiever and started putting $5,000 a year into a Roth IRA when she was 21. She does it for 10 years. Well, Jack was a slower starter. He starts contributing 5000 a year when Jill stops. He starts at age 31. And so they, so at age six, and they both earn a hypothetical 8% rate of return on their Roth IRA. 
Well, over at, at age 65, Jack has invested $175,000 over 35 years. Jill's total contribution was 50000 over a 10-year period of time. But again, she started 10 years sooner. So she invests a lot less money but does it sooner. They both earn the same rate of return. And at age 65, Jill's got $226,000 more than Jack. So starting as soon as you can with whatever you can, even if it doesn't seem like much, even if it's $50 a month or $100 a month, people are amazed at how much that can grow to when they're actually ready to retire. And I think that helps create some motivation to do this now and have a sense of urgency to start as soon as you can. So then we go to the other thing. Well, okay, you've convinced me I should do it but I don't have any discretionary money. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. And Peg, I think part of our job as financial advisors, and I know you've done this, you know, hundreds of times in your career, so have I, you come in and you look at the overall efficiency of someone's situation, and maybe the reason there's no discretionary money is because they're not being efficient. And if you can find a way to, say, reduce their insurance costs, whether it's health insurance or their auto and homeowners or their life insurance, if they're spending too much inefficiently on insurance, or maybe you can reduce their taxes. But by by enhancing efficiency, it's like finding money in your couch cushions. And now we can give that money back to the client and say, here, you can save and invest this, and you don't even have to detract uh, from your lifestyle because this is money we found that you didn't know was was going down the drain. I can't even remember how many times in our career that I've been able to do that for a client. So when people say, well, why should I talk to a financial advisor? Right there, that's a great reason to talk to a financial advisor. I know I should save and invest, but I can't afford it. Maybe we help you find a way to afford it. Yeah, and we we also uh, ask for uh, what their expenses look like so that we can see where there could be some savings. And I hate to use the, use the word budget, Bruce, but I'm going to use it right here because in a family or in a household, you have to know where your money's going. And when somebody comes to see us, yeah, we're going to ask about that. You know, what's your monthly spend? And I'll ask, you know, do you think you have any room for improvement? Like most people do, right? You probably have room if you're honest with yourself. There's something in there. And um, once we start the relationship with the client, they actually are so appreciative of us saying, hey, we can save on that insurance, which they hate writing the check for that anyway. And then here's my number one tip for how people uh, should save. Hide the money from yourself. <laughs> because that, that, it's just, you just have to think that way. And the number one way to do that is, through your employer or your work plan. So when they come out, usually in the fall, the company will say, hey, what percentage do you want to save in the company plan? And, you know, if you feel like you can do it, I would just do as much as you can in that plan because it literally is hiding money from yourself because if if the money doesn't get in your checkbook, then you don't really feel like it's real. And you don't feel like you can spend that. And I see most people, Bruce, do a forced savings plan through these company plans. And then if indeed you get a raise, um, then just keep increasing it more. 
but don't procrastinate because the story you just gave about time is your friend. Uh, I often talk about, you know, uh, young people, and I'll say this to them. I go, you're rich. And they're like, well, they look at me and they go, uh, no, did you see the people who, you know, um, live on the lake with the boat? They're rich. And I said, no, because they're 70 years old and you're 28 years old and you have so much time. And so you're actually the definition of rich is having time to have your money compounded. And I feel like if all the younger people, um, you know, even in their 40s and 50s felt that way, then it's just a completely different way of looking at it. I, I love that. Hide the money from yourself. And that's great. You're right. That's the single smartest thing uh, either one of us has said so far this morning. I say something similar to clients. I always refer to pay yourself first, meaning that if you make that contribution to your company retirement plan, and if it's just withheld from your check, you end up not missing the money. And Peg, you and I both know, and a lot of listeners will know too, if they're being honest and objective about this, the amount of money that you save in your company retirement plan, if it wasn't just withheld from your paycheck and it was your responsibility and your obligation to write out a check every month for that same dollar amount, a lot of people wouldn't do it a lot of months. And they would say, I can't afford to do it this month because people end up saving or investing when they're done spending at the end of the month if they have anything left over. But if you hide the money from yourself or you pay yourself first, you discover you actually can live just fine on a lot less than you realize. So, again, people really need or should make this a commitment. So assuming that we've convinced people that this is a good idea, now let's logistically talk about some of the efficient ways that they can do this. Well, to me, with the tools and the technology that we have at our disposal today, it, there, there isn't a lot of excuses anymore, you know, to help budget and try to figure out. I mean, it's even there's all sorts of compounding tools on there to say, hey, it, it, it's amazing. It doesn't have to be a huge dollar amount to compound over time. And then um, if you get a windfall or, or you get some money that you weren't even intending to get, and I've seen this uh, so often with our clients, too, in that they get this inheritance. Well, they're already building a new deck on the house and getting new windows and, you know, because a lot of people think, hey, that's like free money, so let's just treat it that way. Let's just spend it and, um, and everything will be okay. But in some cases, it would be better if at least a percentage of that money was saved uh, for the future. And this whole thing about people living longer, Bruce, it has made our job so much more difficult because we have to make that money last for the rest of their lives. And when I started in this career, <clears throat> uh, you know, they were touting that people would die 72, 78 years old, and we'd run our forecast you know, to 78 years old. Well, now I'm running them to age 100. And so that takes a lot more money to get us, you know, to the uh, end of our life. And so use some of these tools is my point. And then start thinking about taxes now. The reason I say that is because I work, talked a lot about these work plans. And yes, it's easy to hide money from yourself, but yet many people check that box for tax deferral. 
I don't want to pay any tax now. I want to compound. I want to make money on the money that I would otherwise pay Uncle Sam right now because I'm going to have a bigger pot of money down the road. Well, we see it on the back side where people come into us. And by the way, people love to come into us like um, five years or five days before retirement. You know, I'd love to get people to come in a little bit earlier, like 10 years uh, before retirement. But we witnessed this, that this bucket of money tax deferral is just budging at the seams. And now there's this huge IOU to the IRS. But now, you know, younger people need to start thinking about how is that going to be taxed when I retire? Maybe it is better to pay a little bit more tax now. And um, when you think about balancing, you need to balance between taxable money, tax deferred, and tax advantaged or tax free, uh, which is um, – on the backside, if we see someone do that, I literally give them a high five. I'm like, good job, because they are so much more in control about what they're going to pay in tax during their retirement years. All right, Peg and Bruce, we have some texts coming in. Let's try to get to at least one before we have to go to break. Remind people, our number for calling and texting today is 651-989-9226. This person says, I know savings is so important, but I'm 52. I haven't done much with savings yet. Am I too late? Oh, uh, thanks, Rashini, um, and thanks to the texter. Peg, this is a, a great question, and we get variations of this question a lot. You know, is it too late? How much should I do? How much do I have to do? Um, so talk a little bit about that. Uh, we've got a few minutes yet before break. Yes. I, um, uh, number one, 52 is super young. And maybe you don't know that, but it actually is. And uh, you have 48 years as far as my financial forecasts uh, show. And it's, it's never too late. And I, I, I would highly stress here that you probably have some money in your budget that you can save. And at 52, you kind of have to. You got to start, you know, maybe figuring out where you could save some money and start compounding. Yeah, and I would, I would just add, um, fifty-two is absolutely not too late. It's never too late. It is true that sooner is better, but we also recognize the fact again that no matter how much Peg and I think it's good to save and invest, sometimes despite our best efforts. It isn't possible at a certain in your maybe in your twenties. Maybe you are living paycheck to paycheck, or, or even in your thirties. So it may not be possible, or it may not be possible to do as much as you want to do. But what we've learned again, and probably not a surprise to any listeners, it becomes more doable as you get older. So as expenses go away that you had when you were younger, as your income goes up, which it typically will do throughout your working career. As you make more money and have uh, less overhead, you might be able to catch up. In fact, there's even provisions in the law that allow you to put away more money in, in, in retirement plans after you reach the age of 50 with that purpose in mind to try to catch up for those lost years where you couldn't put in as much as you wanted to or you couldn't fund it at all. And just really quickly, um, Rashini and Peg, before break, I want to go back, Peg, to something that you were talking about with regard to taxes. This is another big aha moment. Your, your, your tax preparer or your accountant is probably looking at 
paying the least amount of taxes in the current tax year that they're preparing your return for. At Wealth Enhancement Group or, or any good financial advisor, we're looking for the cumulative taxes that you pay over a lifetime. And sometimes it's better to pay more today, a little bit more today, and you'll end up paying a lot less later. So taxes, tax consideration is hugely important in how you go about saving and investing and maximizing that efficiency. All right, we do have some text coming in. This one we can get to really quickly, folks. You don't know what you don't know. Is the roundtable given to all Wealth Enhancement Group clients? Yeah, actually, um, Peg, I'll let you answer really, really quick, but I may want to expand upon that after the break. Yeah, is it? I mean, let's do just a 10-second answer, Peg, on this, and then we'll uh, we'll go to break and come back. Sorry, and give guys, more. The, I got cut off, so I had to dial Okay, back all right, you know what? We'll, let's wind it down. We're going to take a break. I'll remind people of our number, 651-989-9226. You're listening to Your Money. We'll take questions both live on the phone as well as the text line so give us your question and the texts are streaming in right now so call us or text us 651-989-9226 we are back on your money rashini rajkumar with you along with your host bruce and peg phone and text lines are open folks 651-989-9226 free advice today from peg and bruce uh, let's recap, Bruce, that question that was asked before we went to break. Is the roundtable given to all Wealth Enhancement Group clients? Yeah, it's a great question, and I, I suspect that's from a, a loyal listener, a good friend of the show. I think that's probably from Frank. If that is Frank, good morning. I hope you're still listening. If it's not from Frank, it's still a great question. So the short answer is yes, but I want to elaborate on that a little bit, and Peg may want to jump in also. So the, the roundtable team of specialists or this meeting, this think tank or brain drain, in the original inception of Wealth Enhancement Group in 1996, we used to sit around. We, I think in those days we did it on a Wednesday. Now it's on a Monday. But we would all, virtually everyone in the company would sit around the table and we'd order pizza and we'd go over cases and learn from each other. And, and in those days it was simple to have every case go through this sort of roundtable uh, treatment with, with uh, input from other advisors and so forth. Well, as the company has grown to be 43 offices over 13 states with over 500 employees, as a practical matter, we don't do that anymore. We still have Monday roundtable meetings, um, not with all 500 employees on the call at once, but different groups have that call at different times during the week. And then there's smaller versions of that roundtable. So where, where I office in Eden Prairie, it is a common occurrence that the, that the two other advisors here in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, Pat Wolf and Steve Hess and I, might consult on, on various cases or bounce ideas off one another. And at a minimum, it always happens at the team level. I never make a unilateral decision for any client. I always consult with my financial planner and my team, Nicole, on, on everything that comes across my desk. So there's some version of this input from multiple people to try to ensure that we've considered all the options to give the best possible advice to clients that we can. But if I draw an analogy, like say to a doctor, if a doctor sees a patient who comes in complaining of congestion and sore throat 
and runny nose, and the doctor looks at their throat, and it's red and inflamed and swollen, and they give them a three-minute strep test, and, and, and it tests positive for strep, they have strep. The doctor doesn't need to call in a heart consult or, or a surgeon or an orthopedic. You know, it, it's, it's a pretty easy diagnosis. And so a lot of times in financial planning, the advisor, all of our advisors in Wealth Enhancement Group are very experienced, very well-trained, very good at what we do. And a lot of times the case is straightforward enough that we don't need a lot of input from other people. Other times it's complicated. For me, tax issues are always going to be a burden where I'm going to go get help from one of our in-house CPAs, even if it doesn't go to a quote-unquote full roundtable meeting. Peg, do you want to add to that at all? or? Just Yes, I'd love to. Um, very good, Bruce. I, I think you, uh, witness, you know, you're, you're telling us there kind of how we work on a daily basis. But it's even more than that to me. It's, um, I define it to my clients as an all-sharing culture. So if you can think about every employee at our company loves to share information and insight because what happens is if I share with you, Bruce, then you will share with me. And that culture within our company is one in a million. And I talk to our clients a lot about that because they also work for companies that are uh, similar size and just say, oh, no, the way we operate is, you know, one person is in one office and one person's in another office. And we never talk to each other about because, you know, it's just that they don't want to share that information. Well, so at our company, you know, we call all of our specialists, all of our advisors, roundtable people, because I think you and I have been there so long that we know directly who would pick up the phone and call and say, can you help me with this? Well, to us, that's still the definition of the roundtable. I, too, because I see uh, telling clients to retire is probably the, one of the most largest decisions that they're going to make in their entire life. I... You know, I get, um, I get uneasy, like I get goosebumps and I get my stomach turning and I go, should I tell this person? I mean, this is such a big deal. Well, I go to the round table and I go get conviction from other people and they just give me the confidence and I need that thousand percent to tell them you're going to be okay. And my definition of that is, uh, that I care. So as a career, I feel like everybody at Wealth Enhancement Group cares so much about the people that we want to go to others within our company, and that's just the, that's the round table. Um, really quickly, that's uh, Peg. I love that. Thank you. Really quickly, if people joined us late, Peg and I today have been talking about saving and investing and how to do it and why to do it, and we acknowledge the fact that for a lot of people, it's hard. Um, people want to procrastinate. They want to live for today. Peg says it's a lot more fun to spend money than it is to save it or invest it. We get that. Um, but we don't think you have to sacrifice one for the other. We think with proper planning, you can do both. We talked about the difference it can make in your life starting sooner as opposed to waiting, um, uh, uh, how time is on your side if you use it properly. We talked about hiding money from yourself or paying yourself first participating in your company retirement plan to the extent that you can. And as your compensation goes up, increase the percentage from year to year. Um, using technology and other tools, being aware of uh, tax consequences, being tax efficient, 
when you save and invest. And the one thing we didn't say, Peg, that needs to be said, all these things can be pretty complicated, actually, to try to do it by yourself. Seek out the guidance of a good, honest, seasoned financial advisor. The statistics are overwhelming that people that get professional help do better than those that don't. And there's tons of reasons why. But if for no other reason, the advisor holds you accountable. Um, it's hard to look somebody else. If you make a bad decision or buy something wasteful or don't make your, your contributions to your savings and investments that you committed to, and now you have a review meeting with your advisor, they're, they're going to hold you accountable. you got to look them in the eye and say, well, yeah, it was more important to me to buy the new set of golf clubs than to contribute to my, ret- my retirement plan last month or whatever. So an advisor, a good advisor does add value. We should, uh, we should emphasize that point. All right. Peg, anything else you want to add before we let listeners drive this thing? No, let's let listeners drive this thing. All right. All right. Lots of texts coming in, Peg and Bruce, to remind people the number to call or text is the same, 651-989-9226. This listener wants to know what the average fee is to transfer a $100,000 annuity. Uh, thanks, Rashini. Thanks, Texter. So, Peg, um, and maybe you even want to expand on the answer beyond annuity. So what, what, is the, what is the cost to transfer an annuity, or what does the cost go beyond that to transfer from one account to another? If you're, if you're unhappy with your advisor and you want to change, or what, what kind of fees and costs do people have to be aware of? Yeah, that's actually a, a great question. One of the things that um, I thought of right away is there's just different types of fees. So um, at your current location, whether it's a brokerage firm or a, um asset management person, uh, you have to find out, you probably signed some kind of a contract. You know, you signed up for the product or you signed up for the management and you need to read that contract and see, you know, do you have to be there for a certain amount of time and what the actual fees are. Secondly, you can go back. If you do have an advisor, you can go back to the advisor and ask them to do the research. What is um, my uh, fee structure with you? And if I were to leave, you know, is there any cost for me to leave? Then uh, the second part of that, too, is if indeed you happen to have bought a product like an annuity, annuities as a product, you know, independently of who you hired, an advisor, probably has some kind of contractual language in that contract. Meaning, if you put, let's say you put 100000 into an annuity and the, uh, the, the contract says, well, you need to hold this for seven years or there may be a penalty or a sales charge for you to get out of it. So you need to become familiar with that. Then to transfer from custodian to custodian, because a lot of times your assets are held not at the financial advisor's office, right? They're with a separate custodian, some type of custodian, And then they may have fees that say, hey, if you want to transfer all these assets, we're going to charge for you to do that. Now, it may not be per asset. It may be if it's in an individual retirement account, an IRA, there might be a fee for transferring over. Bottom line is you have to do your homework. And a lot of times if people come to Wealth Enhancement Group, we do all that research for them. 
um, in our industry, we have ways of a, be, uh, the ability to go research those fees and what it might charge, what they may charge to exit. Uh, and, and so I like the fact that our company does that for a potential client that wants to join our firm. A couple of really quick things. That's a great answer. I'll just add a little bit. Um, and yeah, the, the question was specific to fees. And you did a great job, Peg, of talking about all the various fees. I would also add, though, I think there's a perception in the public that if, if you're, if you're a consumer out there and you go to a financial advisor, they're going to look at your situation and say, well, you should move all that money to me and our firm. We can do better. And the reality is if you're a fiduciary, as Wealth Enhancement Group is, sometimes there's very good reasons not to reposition assets. So if there's some sort of an account closing fee, for example, or a surrender penalty on an annuity, we're going to probably tell you it's not in your best interest to reposition that money. You should leave it where it is. But the other issue beyond fees, I know the question was specific to fees, but the other thing we have to look at is tax consideration. So if you move from an annuity to another investment that's not an annuity, you're going to have taxes on the game. So what you might want to do instead is to do what's called a 1035 exchange and to trade one annuity for another if, if you think you can get a better, quote, unquote, a better annuity. Um, and then also, you know, again, when we talk about not repositioning unless it's in your best interest, that advisor should be able to give you a very compelling reason that you can sink your teeth into and say, yeah, I can see why it would be better for me to move that money. And if you don't see the, uh, that you're going to be better, then don't do it. But at Wealth Enhancement Group, we're not going to ask you to reposition something unless it makes total sense for you. And then, again, back to taxes. So if you've got a non-IRA type of an account, you might be in investments that we really don't think are that great. But if you've been there a long time and there's a lot of embedded gains there, there's going to be a huge tax consequence to shifting that money into something else. You're going to have to sell out of what you're in now to reinvest it in something else. We may say, look, we don't love that investment, but the tax ramifications of changing are too great that we can't make up the difference on the tax loss. You're probably better off just leaving it where it is. So, again, um, there's a lot of potential costs to reposition money, and sometimes there's no cost. But a good advisor or someone doing a, a fair um, honest analysis will be able to tell you all those things and whatever costs there are, if there are any, will be very transparent. You'll have open eyes and you'll see what it's costing and whether or not it's worth it to pay that cost. All right. This person wants to know what type of savings can give an 8% return without risk. <laughs> Love the question, Bruce. <laughs> well, that's easy. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at the question. It's it's a variation, again, of one that we get a lot. Everybody wants higher rate of return. Everyone knows that interest rates in the banks right now all the, are really, really low. Everybody wants a higher interest rate, but they don't want to take on more risk to get that higher return. Peg, have you got a magic 8%er with no risk in your pocket this morning? No, but I think I know where this is coming from, Bruce, because I just saw an ad that they are advertising that, and I just saw it yesterday. So Really? Yes, and, and what it is is um, 
it's a little misleading, and I kind of read all the fine print because I'm thinking, how in the world could they advertise that? Um, and and there's certain ways that you can advertise if number one, you you aren't fully licensed, you are you know not a fiduciary, your company doesn't uh, is not a registered investment advisory. There's all these things that we are that you know um, we would never be able to run an ad like. It's, number one, it doesn't even exist. So, are you there, Bruce? Are you still there? Did, we we must have, we must have lost Bruce. Well, Peg, okay. you know what? So I we'll can see, continue. I'll continue. Yeah, keep going. I yep. Thought, I thought everybody was off. Okay. So then, eight um, percent is is what they were defining in this advertisement. As I researched it, was a number that was deemed as cash flow. And it was deemed as cash flow because they were returning some of the principal along with the interest. And so uh, just caution there in that, you know, you really have to read the fine print. Bottom line is if you hear that there's something at 8% today, number one, it's probably the riskiest thing that you could ever put your money in. And secondly, you need to know the definition of what that 8% is representing. Is it actually return or is it principal plus interest, which equals return? All right, we've got Bruce back. I I have to add really quickly, sorry, I don't know what what happened again. Um, Really quickly, we have a really good, Peg, I have a really good client that's also a loyal listener of the show. And he texted me, um, and, and he's right, and I wouldn't have thought of this. 8% 8% with no risk. Well, Social Security goes up by 8% every year from your full retirement age to age 70. So he sent me a text and said Social Security, which is absolutely correct, but I wouldn't have yeah. thought of it. But but back to investments that guarantee 8%, um, it reminded me of a story of a few years ago. There were people that were, uh, that were asking us about, and they were hearing these ads all over the place, that you could buy an Icelandic CD and it had some really high interest rate. You know, let's say it was 8%. I don't remember what it was. And that was factually true. But an Icelandic CD, the currency in Iceland, I think it's called the krona, the krona was falling in value as compared to other world currency like the dollar and whatnot. And even if you got an 8%, 8% yield because the krona was being devalued so fast, it would have been a net loss. But people wanted to go get it. Because they could legally, I think, quote this interest rate that only told you a fraction of the story. So we warned everybody off of that as quickly as we could. But, yeah, an, an 8% guarantee with no risk other than Social Security, I don't think there is anything. All right, let's try to get to a couple of these before we have to say goodbye. This person says, I'm 56, have a cash and mutual funds worth around 380000 an annuity and 401k through my IBEW union around 910000 but I do not own a home. What do I need to do to retire at 62 to be able to live into my 80s? Oh, wow, what a great question. So first of all, Texter, congratulations on doing a great job of saving and investing. And, you know, again, without running any calculations, that sounds like that's probably enough to be able to retire, but that's going to be a function of what are your lifestyle costs. But Peg, specifically to this idea of not owning a home, I have to admit, for years and years and years doing this job, I always coach people that a home was a good investment. And if you didn't own something and you're making rent payments, you're flushing money down the toilet, 
more and more I'm seeing that home ownership is not a necessity. And for a lot of people, it's not the right choice. Yeah, it's not. I just had a conversation with a client on Friday about this very thing. And she's actually, um, you know, 76, 78 years old. She's renting today, but now has this desire to go out and buy something again. Actually, it's 20% higher than it was a year ago. But I, I kind of talked her out of it, Bruce, because she's one of these clients that calls in for what I call one-offs all the time. Like, I need 5000 for hearing aids. I need 5000 for new glasses. I need 5000 for this. And so I went through her whole cash flow and I said, what do you think this house is going to do to you? Like, is it perfect? Is it brand new? She's like, oh, no, this thing is like 40 years old. And I went, well, you're going to be calling for more one-offs. And I just told her, quite frankly, you can't afford to buy a house just for the fact that you might have this, that, and the other thing happen. And so I am a huge fan of people, you know, selling their houses at the high right now. And a lot of clients are doing that and going into rentals for the very reason that they don't have to have their children deal with this house and they don't have to update it to sell it now. So, yes, times have changed and renting is just fine. Yeah. And in terms of the texture, you know, can they retire at 62 and do they have enough? My instinct tells me that they probably do. But again, if you have expensive habits and you want to take, you know, three overseas vacations a year and so forth and so on, but, but we can do an analysis that, that determines whether or not you can retire or what we call a future value forecast. But you don't have to buy a house. You don't need to live in a house. It's okay to rent and be retired. Great question. All right. Well, we are running right up against the clock. Really great questions today. Great answers from Peg and Bruce. If we didn't get to your question, remember, you can get in touch with Peg and Bruce during the week. Call them at 888-6ADVICE or email your money at wealthenhancement.com. Otherwise, do remember, we are back same same time, same place next Sunday. Your questions will be answered. Uh, we always love to hear from you. And uh, really great advice today, Peg and Bruce. Thanks so much. You taught me a lot about savings. It's sometimes a nasty little word, but you've made it more friendly for us today. previous program was sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 and Odyssey, Inc.